Hello and welcome to Talk the Line, the brand new podcast from the line of Best Fit. You see what we did there? The UK's biggest independent website for new music discovery. You can check us out at thelineofbestfit.com and follow us on Twitter at bestfitmusic. I'm Jen Long. I actually used to present a podcast for The Line of Best Fit about six years ago before I got a show on Radio 1 and they barred me from doing any extracurricular activities. However, now my star is in decline. I'm back where I started, here on The Line of Best Fit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm so honoured to be back presenting this podcast and this time round, we're doing something very special. We're going to be talking to artists about a subject that isn't music, something that matters to them, their passion, their obsession, their muse, their inspiration, because artists get a lot of downtime. They have a lot of time to dwell on things that are not their careers. And we are going to be getting to the root of that and finding out what makes their heart beat. Every week we'll be going deep into conversation for around an hour with some of the most interesting artists and celebrities around. For the first ever Talk the Line, I'm going to be talking to one of this decade's most interesting pop stars. Shura describes herself as the weird kid who brought a guitar to school and sang about how shit their life was. She moved to London 10 years ago to study English and she taught herself music production from YouTube videos she watched during night shifts in a video production house. How meta is that? Her sounds drawn comparisons with some of the best 80s pop, in particular Velvet Rope era Janet Jackson. And on last year's debut album, Nothing's Real, she worked with the likes of Adele producer Greg Kirsten and athlete singer Joel Pott. She recently produced a track on the debut EP from Best Fit Ones to Watch Ida, and she's collaborated with Mura Massa and delivered remixes for Jessie Ware and Puma Rosa. She's one of twins, both of them gay. In fact, you can hear Nick during this podcast outside her bedroom door ordering a Thai green curry. Last year, she interviewed Tegan and Sarah about queerness in pop for us at the line of Best Fit, and you can find that online right now if you know how to use the search engine called Google. Uh, She then toured with Tegan and Sarah on a mammoth 20-date tour through the US and Canada last year. And the reason for her name? It is simply the Russian nickname for her real name, Alexandra. Over the next 45 minutes, we're going to be talking about space, in particular the movie Interstellar. Space has a big influence on Shura and her music. And I would like to point out, we are not actually under the influence of anything except for maybe a glass of wine during the recording of this podcast as we sit and muse on the vastness of the galaxy. Also, this conversation does contain plot spoilers. So if you've not seen the movie Interstellar, you may not entirely comprehend what we're talking about. And we will also ruin the ending for you. Enjoy. I kind of thought there'd be more space paraphernalia in your bedroom you're not happy with the entire x files like it's not space up there <laughs> it's kind of space it's definitely science I mean, fiction. well there's aliens isn't there when it when it went a bit weird and rubbish yeah there's alien there's all the aliens all my all my films okay. are basically science fiction okay. there's a robot right next to you that you're definitely not appreciating this is true um, how do i make this work oh look there's a mini moon the mini moonlight. That's cute. How does this robot work? Um, you turn him on and you put a tape in. Oh, um, okay. And he's like an educational toy that I can have had as a kid. Go around the sun. Question number two. As you probably know, there are nine planets in our solar system. Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn, Venus, Neptune, Pluto, Earth, Mars, and Uranus. It's my favourite one. What I would like to know... Is Not enough space paraphernalia for you. <laughs> okay, that wins. That That is incredible. Yeah. Is that where your space obsession began? Ooh. I'm not sure if, if that was, actually. I remember him being... At, like, it's a 2XL, and, he, and it's this mad sort of scientist who decided to create this educational toy for children. And so there's four options, A, B, C, and D, and it asks you questions, and depending on your answers, the tape sort of changes direction, and so the story evolves. So it's like a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, pretty much. Um, But it had kind of an educational purpose. I think my obsession with space probably started... probably started with Alien, and kind of this, this film being this mythical... Like, it was this film that I just wasn't allowed to watch and um, therefore really, really wanted to watch. And my older brother, it's a decade older, 
who's a kind of DJ and super, super cool, kept telling us about how terrifying it was. And we were maybe eight, nine years old and kind of tried to, com we eventually convinced my dad to let us watch it. And um, we get to the, the scene in Alien where they're all sat around the dinner table and my dad just goes, this is where the chest buster comes out. And we were like, what? It's like, yeah, there's an alien and it's going to burst out of this guy's chest. And we were like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Like we couldn't watch it. So it was a, a total like be careful what you wish for scenario. And I don't think I watched it again until I was about 13 years old. But yeah, it was just this, because it was like scary and not allowed. And I don't know. Mm. I think that's maybe where it starts. I just really like, I don't believe in God. So it's like space is like my like way of being spiritual probably. I suppose it's, it's there's so much out there and so much unknown. I don't know what the word is that, that that's kind of that you don't know and you can't get to. So it's like you couldn't actually watch Alien. You wanted yeah. to, but you couldn't. Yeah. It's almost like a little bit unreachable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've spoken, you know, obviously I love science fiction, whether it's, you know, films or video games or novels. Um, and, you know, I speak to people and I go, oh, I'm not really into science fiction. I'm not really into space. And I kind of just want to ask them, have you thought about it? Like, have you actually thought about space for a second? Because how can you not be, how is that not the most exciting thing ever? Like, how, how can you go to school and, you know, you're, you're doing your physics class and you're there trying to figure out how to create a, finished circuit to light up this tiny light bulb and it's like the most boring part of them like your, your term and then you do a whole kind of term on on the solar system I'm just like how is that how is that not the most exciting thing that you ever study it, it's because it's too difficult because it's infinite so thinking yeah. about it, it's really hard and you're like space but there's like no edge yeah and then you're like but if I just kept going on, like, what would I get to? And then you're like, well, there isn't an is edge. Infinite. Yeah, there isn't an edge. Like, but I can't <sighs> comprehend this now. And <laughs> it makes me feel weird. <laughs> My, um, I have a really good friend called Phoebe, um, who's Scottish, which is completely irrelevant, but she's, she's just this tiny little kind of raging Glaswegian. I mean, she's actually from Edinburgh, but she lives in, in Glasgow because that's sort of her her um, spiritual home. It's wonderful. And, uh, <laughs> completely she, pointless, wonderful. Com yeah, absolutely. That can get edited out. Um, <laughs> and uh, she went to watch Gravity at the IMAX and got really stoned. Um, <laughs> and she just said that she turned around to her boyfriend in this kind of almost a whitey, like just with this weird face and kind of went to him, mate, this film's about space and we're watching it in space <laughs> like she just really freaked out that like we will and it's like that whole thing of oh we use our brains to understand our brains like how weird is that we're using an organ to understand the organ and I think you know how we so we you know we study so neuroscientists mm -hmm. study brains and it's like well they're using their brain to study them and how bizarre is that as a and will we ever fully understand it because we're using the thing to understand it do, I mean that we're using the thing space no, no, I'm now talking about neuroscience. So we use, <laughs> like, but when we watch or read about space, we're in it. So how kind of overwhelming is that as a thought? So we're looking at space from our perspective, perspective within space. Within space. But we can't look at space from outside space because space is infinite, so yeah. we won't be able to leave it. But also that's completely, you know, the idea of something being infinite is just completely incomprehensible. That's, that's why it's difficult. But it's interesting, it right? It is interesting. But maybe people switch off when something's... I think some people's brains switch off when things are difficult. Well, it's because you've got, like... Like me trying to discuss my emotions with, like, a potential girlfriend. <laughs> and they're like, so, what's going on? And then, and then my brain off. just goes, doosh. <laughs> I don't know. Are we dating? Are we not? Who knows? <laughs> wow, that, that was... That's a so we're done. That's five minutes that it's taking you to get back to girls. <laughs> well done. Well, I try. <laughs> yeah. Um... So do you think your kind of early space obsession or learnings, discoveries stem from movies? Or was it more from this amazing robot here? The sun. Here are only two choices for you. I mean, I, I, I would have... I'm in my life. I, I just want him to do anything I've got to, like, 
someone's like, um, Jen, why have you completely missed this deadline? I'm like, the sun. <laughs> I really, you know what? It's quite possible that it was something like 2XL. Um, but I always, I, f I feel like I remember, but what we, and again, this is like another interesting sort of topic. What we remember and what is real is are two very different things. Um, so I feel like f it was from film that I became very excited by the idea of whatever, whatever there is outside of, you know, or away from this planet. And, you know, I, my dad was a, what I call a card carrying atheist and um, kind of very strict about it. So I brought, I was brought up, you know, believing there is, there is no God, there is no afterlife, which if you think about it, it's quite, quite a dry way of living your life. I'm just being like, this is quite depressing. Yeah, this is yeah. it. This is the only it that we know of a hundred percent. And so yeah. for me, like the way that my imagination where I could run away or be in any way sort of spiritual or think about something greater than myself was to explore space you know, whether that be in fiction. And also, I feel like, the, the, I mean, as someone who doesn't really believe in God, but kind of was brought up with that around them, yeah. I still kind of like the glimmer of hope that there might be something after you die, because otherwise, again, it's just incomprehensible to think about. Well, it's like, absurd. It's absurd. Yeah, and, and kind of sad. Yeah. I always go back to um, the idea that by virtue of being alive, the only thing that is definite as a result of being alive is that you die and that you don't choose to be alive and how un unfair that feels and how absurd that feels that just by being alive. But imagine if when you die, in, there's, there's no afterlife, but there's another dimension well, this is what's pretty exciting about space. Exactly. Um, but I think that's that's sort of, you know, I always, you know, if you think about the way that people describe God, for instance, it's, a, it's you know, whether or not it's, a, you know, they, it's humanoid or they attribute kind of a humanness to them. They, it's, some, it's someone or something that is bigger than ourselves, that understands, that is omniscient and omnipresent, um, and all-powerful. And if you just think about the universe for a second, you can attribute all those things to the universe. It's bigger than us, it's infinite. It's all-powerful in the sense that whatever happens, happens as a result of there being no other, this is just what, this is what we have, this is what it is. And so for me, that was, it almost, it, you know, um, I should be, just be a Scientologist, shouldn't I? <laughs> just give all my money to some dude in LA, achieve level seven, I, hang out with Tom Cruise. I think that you guys might have a personality clash. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I don't think they're too big on the gays as well. Or at least yeah, the whole, the whole point is keeping it quiet and I've definitely screwed that one up. Yeah. <laughs> Louis Theroux is going to make a documentary on you now. Yeah, please. That'd be fun. That would be quite nice. Louis Theroux. <laughs> oh God. So why, why are we talking about the movie interstellar over alien well the film interstellar i watched probably about a quarter to halfway through making my record um which is my fir the first time i'd ever made an album so naturally i was i think in quite a um i, I was a, just a sponge during that process i think i was emotionally very um absorbent um it's probably the best way of describing it. I, it and i i don't think a film has ever made me cry that much in in my entire life and what really struck me about this film was that the fact that it's set in space is kind of irrelevant um it's really a story about the relationship between a daughter and her father um, and family and, and fear of death and love. That's, that's essentially the fact that yeah. he goes to space, that he's trying to save the human race is exciting. And we get to see lots of awesome shit. We get to see, you know, Matt Damon popping out of a kind of out of nowhere on a planet that looks like the moon or some sort of snow 
hell. Snow moon. Snow hell. Snow hell. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, visually it's incredibly beautiful and engaging, but it, it was just a film about family. It's, it's easier to watch the second time round. Uh, I, I it depends what you mean by easier. I found it was just, I thought I was going to, emotionally was going to be fine. Like, I didn't think it would affect mm. me. And, and, and there I was this morning, kind of having woken up at half past one because of jet lag, crying, med, like Mediterranean wailing style, <laughs> body shake, crying next to my twin brother. Um, and I was like, God damn you, Interstellar. But, um, <laughs> but there, there were certainly things that I kind of, I picked up on as a result of watching it with my twin, actually, that I mm. hadn't like, done like before. Like how? Well, he he would just notice things or make comments. Oh, okay, not not in the fact that you were like, we're twins and we've sensed something yeah. in this film. No, no, no not no. like X Files style. No, no, no. He just he, you just weren't paying I mean, attention. I'd lo- yeah, I just wasn't paying attention. You were attention. just on your iPhone. Well, the you? first time I watched it, I was watching it in the cinema with someone who I was still very much kind of um, interested in. I don't know, you know the song. Have you you know Too Shy? Yeah. And there's like this middle eight where no one understands what I'm saying because I mumble. Um, but the, I, I have a lyric, um, let's go find a corner we can sit in and talk about the film instead of us. And it was that, it was Interstellar, it was the film that I'm referencing in that record. Oh, which you went on like an early date to see Interstellar? No, it was a post-relationship friend oh, date. Oh, right. Oh, but whereas yeah. I was probably still harbouring some sort of feelings. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to think how it goes now. It's all right. You, you walk don't. down the Uxbridge Road. Yeah. Trying to not smoke a cigarette. Trying not to smoke a cigarette. I oh, know. I thought I thought Too Shy was someone that you, you fancied. No, I it's, know, it's I someone I fancied. Touch was someone that you had oh, had a thing with. Yeah, no, but so is Too Shy. But the, oh. but but a Too Shy works, I guess, on on two levels. Is that Winifred? Ooh. Is that a cat? Was that a cat with your It brother? was. I think it was a cat, but Oh yeah. Also, most good science fiction films have a cat in. Yeah? No, yeah. you're going to have to Alien. explain. Alien. Alien, there's a cat. Well, that's one film. There's another cat somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so you went on a not-date date. A post-relationship friend date with someone I still fancied. To see Interstellar? Yeah. Did you cry the whole way through it? Not the whole way through. The, f- the first time where he's... I guess receives a message from his family and and their and his children are as are clearly older than he is, um, not older than he is, but as they've grown older. And actually, I think one of the messages is from his daughter, who's now the same age as he was when he left. And I, I did the way that it's edited, and and actually the first half of the the kind of scene is just his reaction. He's just beginning to cry mm. and it, as soon as he as basically as soon as Matthew McConaughey starts crying that's it I, like it sets me off body shape crying the, the weirdest part of it was that the cinema was was packed so not only do I have this person to my left that is you know an ex-girlfriend who I kind of still fancy a little bit there's this complete stranger to my right and I am body shake crying yeah. and I just sort of look over and I'm like I'm so sorry to like inflict the, you know I'm, I think I would have much rather have just watched it kind of on my own because it's it's such a personal thing to and I don't know whether it, whether the fact that you know my the fact that when my parents split up when I was very young we lived with my dad and I've always very much been kind of a tomboy and therefore a bit of a daddy's girl whether whether the fact that this film is is really focuses on the relationship between a a, a father and, and his daughter, whether it affected me more. I don't know. But then again, Nick watched it today and, it, you know, he was absolutely crying with me. So I think it's sort of universal, but... I had to pause it. The first time I watched it, I had to pause the film twice because I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. And I think I was, like, weeping and I was just going, <laughs> he didn't get to see his kids grow up! <laughs> It's 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 really intense. It is, and there's, and and that's why I think as, as much as it's also about you know a relationship between, you know, a, a, a father and his daughter, like the the concept in the film of of him or his daughter becoming older than he is, it's really fascinating because one of the things that I think is really sad about you know being alive is that you know, if things 
follow the natural order or what what is supposed to happen is that at some point our parents will die in, in our lifetime and we become orphans and that's sad for us because suddenly we are parentless but it's also incredibly sad for your parents who know that you're going to live probably hopefully most of your life without them and there's going to be so much that they don't see and so that scene at the end of the film where he goes to see his daughter who's now an old woman and he's a you know, in his, you know, middle age, is incredibly moving because it's something that I know or you know will never happen. You know, our parents will never get to see what we do and who, you know, some of our parents will never see what, if we have kids or not. It's some, certainly something that I think about because for me, if I'm going to have children, it's not going to happen by accident. So it's probably not going to happen until I'm in a, you know, a stable relationship or I'm no longer touring the world and you know I feel able to you know have you know a, a solid base and you know I think well it, it's it's unlikely that my parents will ever meet my kids or certainly not as certainly not see kind of them into I don't know school or yeah late, so it's, it's or something see their kids. yeah it, so it's so it's incredible it's moving because it it flips it flips what's natural, the natural order of things, because it because of because of relativity and, and how, how it plays with time. And and there is that whether it's Interstellar or whether it's a film like Back to the Future, there's this there's this slight part of you that always kind of up certainly with me where I'm like, I'd love to like have hung out with my parents when they were my age. Obviously in Back to the Future it creates a slight problem of like his mum fancying him and then <laughs> him slowly evaporating. It's so but, wrong um, when you actually think about it. Yeah, no, it's really, like, I think, I don't know whether you could do that in a film now. It'd be a bit weird. But, um, but yeah, I'd, you know, I'd love to, wouldn't it be lovely if actually what happened with with people is that we reached, I don't know, 30, and then we stopped ageing. And so that by the time we reach 30, our, par our parents would be 30, and we can all just hang out as 30-year-olds and do 30-year-old things like have an allotment and whatever it is that we, you know, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that be lovely? Um yeah, see, tangent, tangents, ahoy. I had some questions, actually, and um, the one that you just said before about it kind of being like Back to the Futures, to me, is Interstellar a bit like Bill and Ted? <laughs> Where, you know when Bill and Ted, when they go back so that they can, like, leave a waste bin somewhere, mm -hmm. but, like... It makes it makes my head hurt like when I think about infinity, when I think about films where they've done something in the past, but it's now when they're doing it again. Yeah. You know, when they've like gone back in time. And it happens in Back to the Future as well, where yeah. it's like, remember, I've got to go back in time and leave this thing, or like, I've got to come back at this time so I can interrupt this thing happening. Yeah. So, like, what if they just didn't? Then when would it stop? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, what if they just kind of like they did it and then they're like can't be asked to do that now. Can't be bothered. But it already happened. Yeah. But then would it undo? But this is the thing about, that, that people always ask me, is this relativity? No, I think this, well, there's this whole thing about, um, in Interstellar, they, they sort of say, well, we, you know, we're not here to actually change the past. Um, but that's the plot of Interstellar. Yeah. It's not the plot of Bill and Ted. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about Bill and Ted if you like. No, I don't want to go too. <laughs> no, I mean, but, uh, but I think this, this is like keyboard setup behind me, though. <laughs> that is a little bit like when uh, when Mozart jumps in the shop. So yeah, that's well, no, I, I mean, I, I, as a as a kind of trope of science fiction, I, I do find going back into the past to put something there or to 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 change something that actually has already happened because, but you needed to do it for the for the future to be the way that it is, 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 is really fun and it's interesting and it's exciting. Um, what, what I do really like about Interstellar is that it doesn't really, it doesn't really go there that literally. And it's, 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 I think it's a, a much more sort of poetic way of, of dealing with that. And, you know, it, it, the way that it sort of tries to kind of escape the problems of something like that is by talking about, um, the fifth dimension and the idea of there being five dimensions, which is obviously something that we absolutely can't comprehend. So and can, can I, okay, on that subject, we need a scientist. I'm going to sound really thick now. No, 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 I don't know. Um, 
how many dimensions are we in? Are we in three right now? Yeah. I think. Are we? Three. I think so. Because 3D is when you've got the... <laughs> Wait, should we Google this? Because we could both... No, you're like the... I'm, the no, I, I'm interested. I'm not, I'm not a, an expert. I'm not a scientist. I got, I, no, I did get an A star at GCSE. I, I'm, I'm not an expert in... Just because I'm interested is, doesn't, doesn't mean I'm particularly well informed about space, but I think about it a lot. But I think the ways in which I think about it are much more in relation to the kind of themes that are in Interstellar, which is, you know, what does... So, for instance, it was watching this film that inspired me to sample um, my like family home videos in my record and use that as beds and soundscapes because it was this enorm this film that covered everything, covered this infinite universe that we have. But it's essentially about family, and and I was making this record, and it was as any debut record is. It's about everything that you've ever done until that moment. In a way that your second record is probably about all the shit that you did after your first record. But when you first make, when you do your first album, it's about everything. You just put, you throw everything at the, at the wall. And, and I was really struck by, by, by how kind of, by love essentially and, 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 fa and family and how important that was. And I wanted when I was writing this album to essentially create a time capsule, which was this thing. It was like a, it was like a child that had me and everything and everyone that I had ever loved in it forever. And I say that in a very loose sense, because obviously in 200 years, no one's going to remember nothing's real released on Polydor via Bassessi Limited. I'm glad you got the plug <laughs> in there, Bex. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? Like, no, it, it's, <laughs> It's it's forever in a very short, and and and, and again, this this sense of scale mm. is is something that the film deals with, which really beautifully, I think, which is that, you know, we maybe if we're lucky, can go back two or three generations in terms of what we're aware of in our family. So you know, great grandparents or great great grandparents, mm. and you know, maybe their stories vaguely, and the furthest forward we can go is a couple of generations that way. So maybe we're aware of who our great-grandparents were. Maybe we, we become aware of who our great-grandchildren are. But outside of that, we don't really have any idea. So we only live in a, in a space of kind of three or four generations. But then if we were in the fifth dimension, <laughs> we could travel way back and see more of them. I don't really, I don't really know if that's even because that's the thing. Because he gets put into the fifth dimension, yeah. by some aliens, and we don't know who the aliens are. But maybe they're us, but more advanced. Is that what they say? That's what they say. That's yeah. what they allude to in yeah, the film, isn't it? He says, he says they're not, you know, they're not aliens. They're us, and and I think it's Tars who is the the kind of the Hal of of that movie says. It's, it's like just not nice possible. Hell, yeah, yeah. It's like how that doesn't hell. go bad. Yeah. Um, and he says, well, you know, we've, we've evolved and, you know, it's a more advanced version of ourselves. But, um, so is it us in the future that puts the wormhole there? Yeah, I think that's, that's sort of the and idea. Do you understand black holes and wormholes? Not really. Okay. And I explain really badly so that all the people on the on the internet just go become trolls and go, you're an idiot. Okay, um, people on the internet, this is a conversation about interstellar. <laughs> primarily. Shura is not an expert. Shura is definitely not an expert. And we'll probably say some things Maybe there. we could ask 2XL. 2XL. <laughs> it's a black hole. Closest planet to the sun is... One Mercury or two Saturn. No, X, no to XL. No. So, um, so black hole generally happens when a massive star dies and collapses on itself, and essentially it creates, I think, I may be wrong, this thing called a singularity, which is just this basically this a gravitational pull from which nothing can escape, not even light which is why it's black. So on the outside of a black hole, you will sometimes see kind of light because it's being sucked into it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a hole. 
in in space and therefore maybe time and therefore is it a i mean that that is dark terrifying in in every sense yeah so it's I think not black holes even, are the most terrifying. Not even light can escape from a black yeah. hole. Well, they think that there's a black hole at the centre of our galaxy, which is why everything spins around it. I thought the sun was at the centre. No. The sun's at the centre of our solar system. Oh. Well, but I, no, you're going to have to explain So, okay, more. so we're in, we're in the, the Milky Way mm -hmm. galaxy, okay. which is sort of like a big circle, but with kind of tails, and we're at the end of one, one of the tails, sort of on the edge, really, actually. Okay. Um, and in the centre of it, there must be something pulling everything together. So the theory is that it's a, a black hole, which is kind of terrifying because you think, well, in billions and billions of years, everything's just going to get sucked up into it. But I mean, the sun will have run out. Oh of yeah, absolutely. But the, even the idea that the sun's going to just ex become extinguished That's is terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah, which is, which is ridiculous because we're not going to be here. You, you or I are certainly not going to be here. It's very unlikely that human we race is even going to be here. Dimension though. <laughs> we can see it from the fifth dimension. The fact that the moon, apparently the moon will eventually just crash into the earth. Really? Yeah. Because we're just... Is that a fact? I'm pretty sure. Will the moon... Okay. You've seen Melancholia, right? Will the moon... Have you seen it? No, what's that? It's a Lars von Trier film. Lars von Trier. Trier? Sorry, I thought that was like a Smashing Pumpkins album. The moon is gradually receding from earth. Oh, that's getting further away. So I've invented the fact that it will crash into the moon. <laughs> so the moon falls toward Earth due to gravity, but isn't any closer because the moon... Okay. So I've invented that it's going to crash into it. Mm -hmm. But this is the thing about... that I find exciting about space is that so much of what we worry about or what terrifies us is never even going to affect us. So the, the idea that one day the sun will run out of energy is absolutely horrifying. And yet it really doesn't affect me. Like, it's not, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. But the idea that everything that we know, which is really the solar system, obviously we know stuff outside of the solar system, but in terms of what we, certainly the, the average person who's not studying it mm. knows, like, everything will just become dark. But, I mean, in, in, in Interstellar, the, how many years ahead is it? I don't know. I don't think it specifies. But right. Because they're the planets dying, dying. Right? Yeah, we're we're because we've we run out. Of, yeah, with basically like the potato famine on a larger scale. They say that in the film as well. Don't yeah, they? yeah. I think humans we're we're going to kill ourselves way before anything else does. Mm. It's much more likely. There's no, you know, you you look at any graph. Um, it, and, I, and I, this is going to be really annoying because I don't know the name of the type of graph it is. And obviously we're, we're talking... A pie chart. No, it's... So, you know, a graph that does this and it goes up and then it goes down like a big wave. So if you look at a population, uh -huh. it's been increasing, increasing, increasing rapidly and it's going to hit a peak. And what's going to happen, the only thing that it can do from there is go down. And it's either Not going to be... the peak's infinite like space, though. But it might just move to space. <laughs> Well, we're going to have to find somewhere else to go. Yeah. Um, because the, the fact is, is the resources on this planet are finite, which is exactly what Interstellar deals with. Six billion people, you, you ca we cannot sustain that on this planet. It all, comes down, it, it all comes down to energy in the end. The Earth, everything on it, there's, it has a finite amount of energy. Um, and so there will come a time where humans have exhausted that energy source, whether it's fossil fuels, whether it's, you know, uh, the energy soil in, nutrients. yeah, the nutrients in the soil, like whether it's water, we will exhaust the, the, those resources if this chart keeps growing. And so what will happen is once we exhaust them, then the human population, will, 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 you know, we will begin to starve, we'll begin to die and the, and the population will decrease, the chart will, it will fall, whether it's that or whether it's, a giant kind of, and this is a very real risk, whether it's a kind of, you know, a, a bug that no longer is, you know, we can't, you know, we, penicillin is now increasingly ineffective if there's something that happens and, you know, we all, there's a kind of super, super bug, it's going to have a massive impact like on them. Like swine flu. Yeah, but that's, that's why people, 
get scared when there's swine flu or bird flu or anything because you know it just takes one mutation and suddenly we have a pandemic you know suddenly we suddenly we're living in that film with kate winslet contagion what happens in contagion everybody dies including kate winslet which is like you can't kill off her like you can't she survived <laughs> titanic you can't kill her off like. <laughs> She survived Titanic. She can't survive a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had other questions about Interstellar as well. I, thought trying, that I definitely would... made notes of things that kind of piqued my interest. Why does Matt Damon keep being left in space? Was one of them. <laughs> yeah, because the Mar. Have you seen the Martian? <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Potatoes. I know, and I got these two films really confused. I kind of melded them together. Well, they came in my out, head. I think, more or less with, within a year, didn't they? And it was like. There were a lot. There were a lot. There was Gravity, Interstellar, and The Martian, all yeah. within sort of. Which is a great year for me. In terms <laughs> yeah. of, I actually went to the cinema for the first time in a long time. Um, one question I had was, why in, in in space films do people always slingshot around planets? Well, if you because it works. I mean, you look at. Well, Speaking I don't know. Have you experience. have you watched Apollo thirteen? Yes, a long time ago. Well, one of the things they do when they realise they can't land on the moon and they don't have enough fuel to get back home is they fly around the dark side of the moon to utilise its gravity to slingshot back around to Earth and then they can use their thrusters once they're coming back to Earth to, to make sure they're, they're going in the right direction and can aim and so that they don't... Because um, I think the angle at which they had to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere was kind of like it was minuscule and if they if they got it wrong they'd either burn up or bounce off the atmosphere into, into kind of eternity so it's you know it's something that we've done but do you um, understand it because I, I just I know it's something that that people do but I just I don't understand I mean do I understand do I understand the equations absolutely not I got be in maths at GCSE I was only allowed to do the intermediate paper well what is it is it is, is it to do with gravity is it to do with the yeah. like pull of yeah the, you use gra the gravitational gravity. pull of that object so, but how in does space. flying around it make a difference well you have to fly close enough to it for you to be pulled in by its gravity and then you circle around and then off you go I mean, I don't know. Do I? Like, I understand. I understand. Like, Physics I can draw sure. you. It just like fly around it and then off you go. Yeah. Paul, Paul's just like, Jesus Christ. What have I done? This is the end of the line of best fit. Do you want some more wine? I might have to have I some. Might no, need but, some more wine. Um, I could draw you a, you know, I could draw you a really naff diagram of what it, just, it, it seems what like. It, means. it seems like the crux of Interstellar, aside from the the, the family slingshotting around love. No, it's gravity. Gravity is very important in Interstellar. They talk about gravity a lot. Yeah, but I don't understand how gravity plays out in these time relativity conversations. Because I thought once you left Earth's solar system, no. What is Earth's it? atmosphere. Earth's atmosphere. There was no longer any gravity, and that's why spacemen float about. No, there isn't gravity. Um, so if you're, if okay, if you um, take up space mm -hmm. in space, if you will have a certain degree of a gravity, you will have a certain gravitational pull. It's absolutely minuscule because you don't take up much space. But the bigger you are, the bigger your gravitational pull. The sun is massive which is why it has an enormous gravitational pull, which is why so many planets in our solar system encircle it. So a black hole is a thing that has the most gravity of anything that we can possibly observe in the known universe, which is why nothing, not even light, escapes it. But when you're floating through between uh, Earth and, and the moon, Yes, you, you, you experience no gravity because you're in space, there's nothing there. But as soon as you enter the orbit of a planet or a moon or anything, you, you, are, you have the forces of that planet exerted upon you, the, the gravitational pull, which is why you can land on the moon and you can stand on the moon because it ha there is gravity on the moon. It's not as much as Earth, which is why when you see videos of people walking on it, they're sort of skipping around. So 
Which is why when they go to the different three what different gravity because so gravity can you explain what gravity explain what gravity is? Explain what gravity is. <laughs> no, gravity is like the reason that the apple fell down on yeah. I can't even. I, I definitely. What's his name again? <laughs> Isaac Not Newton. Einstein. Isaac Newton. But <laughs> so Isaac Newton, his his discovery is probably one of the most important discoveries scientifically ever followed. Probably like. Probably the, the most important one after that is is Einstein's theory of relativity. Um, but again, and he, so they're both space theories. Well, in the fact that any theory ever about anything is a space theory because we're in space. We just sound stoned. We're not even. I promise we're not. We're not smoking weed. <laughs> I don't even smoke weed. I don't need to smoke weed because I'm clearly permanently stoned. <laughs> this is just my. Okay, but so gravity is can be in the sense of this is the reason that we're on the planet but you know when you're like oh this is the reason we're not flung off into this yeah center but you know, of the you know sun. When, in, when you're actually having like a, a a normal conversation and you're like oh the gravity of what he did yeah when you use it when you use the word gravity in that yeah. sense you mean like he did something that has an enormous effect or bears yeah, an enormous but, like there are serious consequences so but that's yeah. the same as Gravity. Yeah, well, gra yeah. Gravi gravity is the force and object. Um, the the amount. So, I mean, again, I'm not a scientist, but the bigger the object, the more gravity it has. Like the bigger the um, what's it called? What's the right word? Um, the bigger the mass of an object, the more gravity. And does that object have to be in space to have mass? We everything's in space. Okay. What I think. Well, certainly is a thing that, and I probably said certainly about 37 times now, is what I love about space is that because the scope, it is the scope is so enormous and yet so minute all at once. So whether it's an atom or it's the idea that space is infinite, it's, there's, there's, it's all related, that like you can think about it in... You can think about it in the sense that me and you are having a conversation in my flat in Shepherd's Bush whilst the cats are walking in and trying to convince me to feed them. But at the same time, you know, there's all these planets in this solar system and all there's, you know, we're on the edge of a galaxy, which is one of hundreds of thousands of millions of galaxies. You know, there, yeah. there's, there's so many points of view on space. So do you think there could be another galaxy out there in which you and I are having a conversation right now about donuts. I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think that that's necessarily likely what I think it what I do think is likely is that there are other galaxies with other forms of life. Um, um, but is, 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 is there are there other di dimensions yeah. in which we're having this okay. conversation? Is that diff you dimensions know? are different from galaxies? Yeah. Okay. Do you think there's another dimension somewhere in which we're doing the, the same thing? But I mean, do I personally think that? No, with a different because I don't, alternate. No, I don't. I I personally don't. But um, is it is it possible? Absolutely. Um, and that's sort of what's exciting to me about space. But I guess. But how does that link into space? Do they are they in space, or is it just because well, everything's in I mean, space? If you think about it, anything, and this is why I don't understand why people say they're not interested in space, is because everything is in, happening in space. So you you can't not be interested in space. You just maybe not interested in it in the same way that I am, um, or the same way that you know, Stephen Hawking is. <laughs> so when you say you're interested in space, and I, I guess kind of when Stephen Hawking says he's interested in space, you don't just mean I'm interested in space, like 2XL here. I mean, I'm really interested in 2XL there. But, but not, yeah, you're not yeah. just interested in like, there are... I'm curious and I like to read about it. And there is lots of stuff that I read that I don't even understand. Like I've read um, Stephen Hawking's um, A Brief History of Time. And there's a lot of that that goes completely over my head because, I, and when he says, I'm going to explain something really simply, and he's just like, yeah, maybe for you that's simple, but I mean, and then there are diagrams and you're like, this kind of helps, but some of it actually just makes it worse. But, but I've never been put off by wanting to learn about something just because I don't 
always understand it when it's explained to me. If anything, it kind of is more appealing in the way that Alien was appealing to me because it was something that I wasn't supposed to see and I wasn't allowed to see and it wasn't accessible to me. Um, I, I think I find things that are inaccessible, alluring, and that's what I really enjoy about reading about space. It's, it's this thing that I will never understand because I'm not a mathematician and I'm not a physicist. I, Maybe I should take up smoking weed, but I found that that generally gives me panic attacks, so it's best avoided. I feel like we keep going, keep trying to just emphasise during this recording that, that we we're are not, not actually smoking no, weed. <laughs> not at all. Um, no drugs have been consumed during the making of this podcast, unless you count alcohol, which is it's one very nice bottle of red wine. But we did just watch Interstellar, so it's only fair that we are allowed a glass of wine because it's an emotional... <laughs> it's weird. Yes. I mean, so I was... I just, I think that I just, I didn't really, I, I, was, very, I was very confused watching Interstellar and I mm -hmm. think a lot of the reason that I, I did take so long to understand what was happening was that my emotions were running high yeah. and I was fixating on the fact that he didn't get to see his kids grow up. And but now, but now he that does I'm, get to see his But now that daughter. I'm addressing it from a more scientific perspective, having yeah. engaged with you in conversation for an hour and a half, is that I do understand now why you, time isn't just a line drawn on a page. Yeah. And that you can bend it and you can fold it. Theoretically go, speaking. Theoretically yeah. speaking. But you just need to find the tool to do so. Yeah. So surely time travel can be real. I, I, I guess like the, the sort of atheist and kind of very, I, I need like proof and evidence like before me, before I can commit to the idea of something being possible can't can't sort of really I don't I don't think that time travel the way that we perceive it is possible the right, way that okay. we think of it as like Bill and Ted yeah yeah I don't I don't think it is but um I think what's I don't know and I I mean I keep going back to it is actually yeah I I do love space and I and I am obsessed with science fiction because it's a really great um, vessel for for my imagination, personally. I'm not saying for anyone, everyone's imagination. But the thing about this film is that it's whilst it happens in space, it's it is it is it, you know I keep going back to it, but it it, it is kind of irrelevant. And there's um, this really beautiful bit at the end where he's looking through through the bookshelf at his daughter as a child and his daughter as a slightly older child and his, at his daughter as an adult. Um, and he tries to communicate, not to his daughter, in fact, but to himself in the past. So, you know, he says he, through Morse, types out the word stay um, because he's trying to tell himself not to leave his daughter and obviously in the context of the film that's because he's never coming back but but I the way that I interpreted that was the idea of parents dying and what any person I imagine as a parent would want to do is to see their children grow up see their child's entire life to be able to know that they were happy for the rest of their life that they had a family that they had kids and grandkids and so it was more a metaphor for, for that than necessarily him not going off onto this spaceship to save the world. It was more about the idea that wouldn't it be nice if as a parent you could stay behind, even if it was behind a bookshelf where you can't necessarily interact in the same way that you or I are interacting right now, but you could observe and maybe persuade through whatever it is, whether it's Morse code through a bookshelf, um, and that another, there's another realization that he has where, you know, obviously he's on this mission to save the human race, but what he says is, they didn't choose me, they chose her. And they being the future us, whatever it is, a more evolved version of the human race. 
And that's all to do with lineage. And that's what we do as humans. We, we are built to create more humans and to, to um, progress, I guess, the race. And, and it's selfish and selfless at the same time. We want to have children um, because it's something within us that, you know, not all of us, obviously, but it's, it's you know, it's something... <laughs> Um, but you know we want to continue well it's human nature yeah it's it is human nature Um, and I thought that was really beautiful the 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 whole film surrounds this hero Matthew McConaughey and he's the person going out to to save humanity but actually it's not that It's, it's actually his child it's his his daughter Murph who is the one who does it through him through the communication that they have through the mm. fifth dimension, through the bookshelf, which is all kind of mad and, and you know, as as much of it is, is, is great, it's, it's also complete bollocks. And <laughs> But there's a, a, the nice bit at the end where he's like, that he thinks the space station is named after him. Yeah. But it's and not like, named and Yeah, him. they're like, um, actually, it's after your daughter, but she did say that you were pretty important. <laughs> but, th- but this is what, this is the amazing thing about, parents and kids it's like you know I well I now I'm you know I'm a musician well my dad every instead of reading us bedtime stories he would play the guitar and we would sing songs and you know there's there's some sort of musicality there that he passed on to me and it's like well I'm the person that turned out to be a musician but he is absolutely a musician as well and he is musical and and that's I think Basically, I'm really obsessed with families or family or being a child or being a parent or being, you know, the, what that means. You know, and I'm, I can only say from the point of view of being a child because I'm not a parent yet. But I think that that's why this film was especially, um, or especially affected me was because it combined two things that, I find really fascinating, which is space, which as we've discussed is something that covers not just the stars, but time, dimensions, as we really don't understand, <laughs> do not understand them, and, and human relationships. Big thanks to Shura for being our guinea pig here on the first ever Talk the Line. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at BestFitMusic, and you can follow me as well, at Jen Long. Please do subscribe to this podcast. We'll be updating it every week or so with a brand new conversation. And we'll be back next week talking to Johnny Flynn. Bye. <laughs>